0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Are you ready? No, Let's go.
0: From AMI Central. Now circling
2: in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This.
1: Here
0: comes a big chance shot. Is this the tiger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson! Uh, August 12th. I don't usually start the show with the date of today, but I did that on purpose because today marks a day where, in about half an hour ish, there will be an announcement that you do want to stay tuned for. You're, of course, listening to another edition of The Neutral Zone, and I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And I am alongside Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock. It's a lovely
2: day. It's the end of the week. And as far as I'm concerned, work is over because this is a whole lot of fun. We get to talk about some sports. We get to talk about a legend in the tennis world and all kinds of wonderful stuff. So it's going to be a great weekend. And I'm looking forward to the next hour.
0: Yes, it's going to be Jam-packed, as it always is, but uh, it's going to be fun. We don't often have a uh, manager of AMI-audio join us very often on the program, so he's going to come along in, as I said, a little under a half an hour uh, from now, uh, and we're just going to have a great show. Also joining us for this great show is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you?
3: I'm doing fantastic. I am glad to uh, be back after uh, some technical difficulties last week, but uh, here we are and getting started to the weekend.
0: Yes. Claire, for the audience out there, Claire sent the uh, group of us a message uh, about 15 or so minutes uh, before last week's show and it read, guys dot 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 with a picture underneath of it and the computer had a what I would call screen of death, updating as just before we did the show. So she was mentioning uh, before that she had to let the battery die in order to make this happen. So glad you're on board with us uh, this week uh, for what will be a fun show, as always. Let's kick it off with our headlines.
3: Serena Williams confirms that she is now ready to step away from the game of tennis.
2: Williams told Vogue magazine she doesn't like the word retirement, but wants to focus on having another child and her business interest. Williams is playing this week in Toronto at a hardcore tournament, and hence the upcoming U.S. Open may be her last tournament. I don't know. I guess there's just a light
1: at the end (laughs) of (laughs) the tunnel. What is that like? I don't know I'm getting closer to the light a
2: reporter said Williams must be joking I'm not joking Serena Williams is approaching her forty first birthday and has won more Grand Slam singles titles in the professional era than any other woman or man. What does giving up tennis mean to her
1: freedom yeah I love playing though it's it's like it's amazing but You know, it's like, I can't
2: do this forever. Serena Williams says she will relish these next few weeks.
0: I'm Ed Donahue. The chair of Hockey Canada's board of directors is stepping down from his position, effective immediately. Let's take a listen to this clip.
2: Hockey Canada says Michael Brindamore informed the board of his decision on Friday evening. His move comes as the organization faces intense scrutiny for its handling of sexual assault allegations and a perceived culture of silence. Brenda Moore issued a statement saying he has listened carefully to Canadians and believes, quote, immediate action is necessary to address challenges facing both Hockey Canada and the sport itself. Hockey Canada says the board will meet in the coming days to appoint an interim chair and determine next steps.
3: Michelle McQuig, the Canadian Press.
0: Hockey Canada has in fact in fact met, and they have appointed Andrea Skinner as their intern chair of Hockey Canada's Board of Directors. She is the first woman to hold this position in the organization's history. And I've got to say one thing, this is the step in the right direction. But man, oh man, does she have a lot of work ahead of her to put this organization on the right track moving forward.
2: Canada finished the Commonwealth Games with 92 medals overall. 26 gold, 32 silver, and 34 bronze. This was good for a third-place finish overall, only behind Australia, who finished first with 178 medals, and England with 176. The next Commonwealth Games in 2026 will take place right here in Canada in Victoria, B.C overall this is a great finish for canada 26 gold medals 32 silver and 34 bronze is is certainly something to be very proud of of course as the hosts for the next commonwealth games it's going to be on government and sports leaders to make sure that canada is in a position where we can hopefully dominate at home i'm certainly looking forward to it
0: those are your headlines for this week let's Check on our Twitter poll questions. Are you satisfied with the Toronto Blue Jays trade deadline? 64% of you said no, and 36% of you said yes. This week's question How will Team Canada do at the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championships? Gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal, no medal at all. Those are your choices, and you can cast your votes at our twitter handle which will be coming up in a bit on the program coming up next we're going to speak to one of the busiest para sport athletes that i can think of T- tara Yanis, who's coming off of two back-to-back gold medal performances with her women's wheelchair basketball program stay tuned for that conversation next on the neutral zone we'll be right back If
1: you want to leave a message for the neutral zone, call now 1 509 4545. And don't forget to give us
0: permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a
4: voicemail!
0: Welcome back to The Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. Our guest today is Tara Yanis, and my goodness, she has been one of the busiest athletes in recent weeks that I can think of. Not only did she compete at the Tokyo Paralympic Games, but she's coming off of back-to-back gold medal winning performances at both the America's Cup and Commonwealth Games. She joins us now to tell us more about her events. Tara, welcome to the program, and nice to have you
4: along. Hi, Bros. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: With essentially twelve days between each event, can you give us a little bit of idea of what that was like, kind of going hopping from one big tournament to the next?
4: Um I mean. I think, honestly, at this point, because we haven't really had a ton of competition um, for the past two years because of COVID, um, we're just anxious to be able to play. So, you know, if it's five days apart, 12 days apart, 30 days apart, um, you know, I think we're just um, pretty excited to compete against other teams and not just continually having to practice against ourselves or play against ourselves. Um, or, our, um, or our men's team. So I, I don't know. We're just pretty excited to be on court and competing.
2: The first of the two gold medal performances was when you and your teammates competed in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Could you tell us a little bit more about that event?
4: Yeah, so that event it was the America's Cup. And that event essentially qualifies us for Worlds in late November in Dubai. So um you know it's an important tournament for us to be able to go out and you know first off qualify and secondly you know have a have a good a good performance and feel like we're working together as a team. So and I felt like we did that. I felt like you know we went out um in every in every game and we had certain points that we wanted to um, or certain things that we wanted to work on as a team. Um, and you know I think a lot of it always comes back to communication. For us, that's uh, a really key thing for our team to be successful. And so I felt like with every game we got better at that. Uh, we were playing different lineups and trying to to work with some uh, some of our newer players too and give them that experience. So all in all, you know it was great. and then you know when we played the states, which, you know, it's, it's safe to say we have a healthy rivalry with the U S and, um, yeah, you know, we were at halftime, we were up by 22 points. So I felt like we went out there and we tried to make a statement and, you know, ended up, uh, winning that game.
3: Now going from Brazil, having 12 days and then heading to London, England, uh, what did those 12 days in between look like for you? Were you back, uh, training? Did you get some rest?
4: What would what it look like for you? Uh, it was it was mostly rest. Um, so there were four people that were chosen for for the Commonwealth Games team. And so uh, three of us were went back to Toronto, um, you know, and just kind of took a little bit of time off um, from the busy schedule that we'd had in Brazil and our staging in Montreal prior to that. So, yeah, we had about five days in Toronto, and then from there we flew um, to Birmingham and competed at Commonwealth Games. And, uh, you know, and it, I, it really wasn't too taxing at, at the Commonwealth Games because the games were only 10 minutes long. So it's a different format, um, and so you're only allowed to have 20 minutes on court to practice. So they were really quick days, to be honest.
0: We're joined by Tara Janis from North British Columbia, and she is a female wheelchair basketball player coming off of two gold medal performances. And you're listening to Neutral Zone on AMI-audio, and I'm alongside Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan.
2: Considering that the Commonwealth Games was a three-on-three event and shorter games, I'm wondering how, if at all, the team strategy changes with that style of event.
4: Yeah, I mean, the three-on-three event is new for us. Uh, I mean, it's new for a lot of teams, but there are other countries that have had have actually had three-on-three tournaments, whereas we hadn't. Um, you know, we practiced, you know, we had a, a few practices where we did three-on-three and, you know, our coach would change the lineups. Um, but that was a first, and the rules are different, you know. Uh, and so I think with each game, we were we were learning the rules more and more. I mean, we, some of the rules we didn't even know until I think after our first game um, and how to, you know, the way that you should clear the ball and sort of the rules on when the clock starts. Um, normally in a regular five-on-five game, when you inbound the ball after the other team shoots, uh, you've got 24 seconds to get up court and, you know, make a play. But with three on three, you're only playing half court and you get 12 seconds. And so as soon as the ball comes through the net, you've got to you've got to clear the ball and you've got to get your chair over the three point line and then start your attack again. So you have very little time to actually make a play. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a different um, sort of style and game that we were playing. And I felt like by the time we got to the semifinals, we were working with, um, we had more rhythm and our communication was better. So, uh, and I felt like that showed.
3: You mentioned, uh, communication being a big factor in, in your success, um, considering both tournaments, what other things do you think really drove in, uh, the results that you guys got?
4: Um, I think a lot of it has to do with our team, our lineup, and the fact that we have five threats on the court every time. I think, especially in the three on three, that we, I felt like we noticed that because everybody that was on the court, the three players that we had on the court, everybody could score. And I think that there were some other teams that they had, you know, two players that could score um, on a consistent basis. And, um, and I think that that was a huge, um, attribute to our success in that tournament, um, was that it didn't matter whose, whose hands the ball was in that person could score. Uh, and it makes it harder to defend that way. So, um, and, and the same, you know, in the five on, you know, like when I say five on five, like our regular game, like our game at the America's cup, you know, it was the fact that we have five threats on the court and everybody is capable of scoring when you just have, you know, two or three threats on the court, it makes it a lot easier for the defense to, to defend. And so when you've got five and you start swinging the ball around, it makes it really difficult for those players that are playing defense to try to recover and switch. And, you know, so generally speaking, we would always have an open person that could score. So, um, I think that's a, a big part of our, uh, success on the Canadian women's team. Now you mentioned
2: that, in essence, you had to learn the three-on-three game as you went. I'm wondering how difficult is that, or were the three of you, four of you, excuse me, pretty well versed in it before the event?
4: Um, I mean, our coach put together a three-on-three tournament, like just within our team. We weren't playing any other countries. Um, at a practice or at a camp that we had in Colorado, like months ago, and that was that was in May, and that was the very first time that we played like a three-on-three tournament. And we knew most of the rules, but we come to find out we there were a couple that we didn't know until we got to the Commonwealth Games. Um, so it it's not we didn't have a ton of time to practice in that setting using those rules and knowing how it all worked. Um, So, you know, I, I think it probably would have been better to have a little bit more time. Plus um, they use a different ball, which was, we didn't, at least I didn't know. I didn't know until about, I think a week or two weeks before we got to the Commonwealth games. So normally a women's size ball is a size six, a men's size ball is a size seven. Um, But what the Commonwealth games ball is, It's it's size six, but it's the weight of a size seven. So it kind of throws you off and you could tell like, you know, when, when the women would be shooting the ball because it would just be hitting the front rim because you're thinking, oh, well, this is the size six. It's a, it's a lighter weight ball. It's a smaller ball, but when you shoot it, it's heavier. So, um, you know, for sure, that's something that I wish that I would have had more time to get used to as, you know, I'm sure the rest of our team.
0: When you talk about this event, uh, the thing that sort of fascinates me, and I and I understand shorter game, is that there was only four of you. Did you have uh, the same starting three, or was there a relative simple rotation that you guys had, or did it just kind of depend who was hot on any given game or day? You
4: know what? That is a really great question um, because I don't – I. I I doubt a lot of people know this, but your coach is not allowed on the court, which I'm not totally sure why that's a rule in three on three, but it is. So, you know, obviously we have a game plan going into, depending on who we're going to play, but that, you know, game plans change. So essentially the player that was on the bench was kind of acting like a coach and, you know, was, was talking to the other players that were on the court. Um, the way that our team was formed, it's so wheelchair basketball is by like classification. Classification is based on your, your level of disability, your type of disability and your level of like, for me, I'm you know paralyzed from the waist down. So it's my level of injury. So we went to the Commonwealth games with a class 4.5, a 2.5 and two 1.5. You're only allowed to have 8.5 points on the court. So, Tam, the other 1.5, and I would interchange. And so our game plan was basically like if I started the game, like a good example, our second game against England, I started the game, I played about three minutes, and then Tam would just call a, a sub. When a, when a whistle would go, she would say, Tara, sub. And so then I, we exchanged, she went on court, and then Tam lit it up. Tam played incredible. So, like, as much as I wanted to go back on court, I didn't. I just stayed off the court and she played the rest of the game because she was playing so well and their synergy was so good that you don't want to disrupt that. And so it, it was really up to the players to decide who stayed in and who, who didn't, um, you know, and, and then we did the same in the next game. Tam started the first three minutes and then I played the rest of the game. So, um, you know, I think it, it takes a lot of selflessness, to be able to play that game and to know who's hot and, and when to make those substitutions and when not to.
2: Besides an obvious rest break, what is next for you and your teammates from a competitive level?
4: Um, you know, we have a bit of a break right now because um, because Tokyo was postponed a whole year. Um, that meant that Worlds this year has been postponed. So normally our major, which would be Worlds, the Parapan Games, the Paralympics, are in September. Like they end the, mid-September. But because everything was pushed back, now we have Worlds in late November. So after Commonwealth, we kind of have this gap of time where we're not, we don't meet up again for an actual camp um, in Toronto until the end of September. So everybody's sort of back in their home province and, you know, doing their own training. Um, but yeah, as a team, we don't meet up again until late September. So we've got a bit of a, when I say break, I mean a break from competition, but all of us are still training and lifting and doing the things we need to do to be prepared. Well, I, for one,
0: uh, as a para athlete in my time will say Enjoy the break. You know, you put that break in uh, in quotations because as a high-performance athlete, you never really do get the break, as you mentioned. But it's well-deserved for you and your team. And uh, best of luck in, uh, at Worlds uh, later on uh, this year. And we hope to have you on again down the line. Awesome. Thanks a lot, you
4: guys. I really appreciate
0: it. We appreciate you as well. Thank you. That was... Uh, tara Giannis, who is a wheelchair basketball uh female player and she's coming off of two back to back gold medal performances and she came to us from north bc coming up next is the manager of ami audio that's andy frank he's gonna come along with some information and a big announcement as it relates to this program stay tuned for that next year on the neutral zone we'll be back And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at Neutral Zone BR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at Neutral Zone CB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base, right at Claire. She picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the neutral zone. At neutral zone Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI Audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the neutral zone. Type in at AMI Audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. Before we uh, bring on our guest, as I mentioned before the break, I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, Last week, I teased this very announcement, and I was away for the weekend with uh, my wife, and I was in the mall, and Andy Frank's phone called me, and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, And so I texted him and I said, Oh, did you mean to call me? And he said, Nope, sorry. Pocket dialed you while I was golfing. And I said to him, Oh, I was very concerned that I uh, preemptively teased the following announcement. And he said, No, I actually enjoyed the hype that I got and had a little bit of uh, chuckle whilst uh, listening to last week's program. So without further ado, Andy, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. And you have something to tell our audience.
1: I think I said pocket dialed. I'm not sure if that was the word I used, but it was something similar to that.
0: <laughs> that's the one we're going to go with, okay? That, that's the that's the honor friendly version of what we're going to go with.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, you're very good at the hype. I think I'm going to use you as a as a pitch man for other things on the channel down the road, Brock, because you're uh, you're 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 pretty good at the, at the hype. Uh, well, the good news is that um, effective. In um, early September, I guess um, the Neutral Zone is going to be available on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast, uh, your audio favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we're going to be shifting the day that we're going to broadcast the Neutral Zone on AMI Audio as well. The, the day and the time we're moving going to move it to Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then repeat it twice again during that day. Um, and the reason why. Uh, why we're doing this is uh, because you guys are doing a great job. Really, at the end of the day, like you're 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 doing a great job on the audio channel, and uh, we're branching out a bit into the video podcast universe. So that's uh, that's basically it.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a cool thing when I uh, first heard it. My father's always told me that I have a face for radio. And I finally came to him and said, well, father, it's actually going to now be on YouTube. And so, so it's it's a very, very amusing that in five years, our mugs will be on YouTube on a weekly basis. And very much looking forward to that moving forward. Andy, I wanted to ask you a little bit, I, I this... You know, world and media is going towards more of video podcasts, and you can see things on YouTube, some of which on, you know, the old score television, which is now Sportsnet 360. When did it become apparent to AMI-audio that this was the switch uh, needed to be made?
1: Well, it probably a year ago or so when it started to become apparent that YouTube was climbing the ranks as the number one place to find podcasts, which really surprised us. You'd think that podcast being such an audio platform, an audio thing would be, you know, the number one would either be Apple or Spotify or Google Play or, you know, any of those other popular uh, catchers. But actually, YouTube is it uh it's it is now number one uh, overall and so we thought well, you know we're not on youtube this is this is goofy we're, we're, we're producing all these podcasts at ami and uh, we need to be there but uh there's a lot of logistics involved it's you know we want to do it right we want to present your show and present you in such a way that your father will be actually proud of you brock you know <laughs> and uh <laughs> which you know it's a challenge but we will get that we'll get it um, so we want to do it right, and we want to do it in such a way that we also deliver all the other things that come with being on a video platform, such as accurate captions, accurate transcripts, uh, all those things, just to make this this, po- this podcast uh, super accessible. And uh, that that is uh, another one of the objectives. So, uh, being, so being in the marketplace with all the other players was very important, being accessible in every way was very important and uh you know i was just thinking in your last interview how awesome that would be to have that in video captured in video how how we could have maybe rolled a bit of b-roll from the tournament or from some recent activity and and uh, you know had the opportunity to see what what uh, the the basketball looked like not only just hear about it but uh, so that's the kind of opportunity that uh, is opening up for us
2: the neutral zone is one of a few podcasts that's going to be making this transition. What was it about this show that made it a good fit for this change?
1: It's a very unique show. There's just not a lot of shows that do what you guys do, especially in Canada. And uh, sports, as you know, you know, sports is still a big driver for um, for you know, ma- mainstream media, shall we say? You know, for the the Bells and the Rogers and all those guys. Um, and sports is important for us at AMI. You know, AMI has a long history uh, in terms of personnel with uh, with sports. You mentioned uh, earlier, Brock. You mentioned about the the score, and um, I even remember the score when it was headline sports, like when it first came out as um, as you know your twenty four seven highlights channel. Uh, well the president of our company was uh, a part of that and um, my my boss john melville was a big has been involved with sports for years and years so we we are big sports fans at ami and so um, we think it's important to showcase sports in some way and you guys are doing a very good job at it and we it's a super unique show and you guys are super unique characters (laughs) so we want uh, it was a no-brainer for us when we made the decision to do some some video podcasts. And like I said, there are you know we can't just open the door to everybody and all and everything because there are costs and other considerations involved. Uh, but this was a no-brainer for us.
3: Now let's get to the meat and potatoes of it. Like when and where can our viewers find us once we are back up? And uh, where can they find our faces? <laughs>
1: Um, you know, Claire, you asked the hardest questions, and that's why you're on this show because mm. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to flip my now I have to flip my calendar and take a look. Um, September thirteenth is when we're going to debut. Um, uh, and that's the Tuesday, the thirteenth. It would have been on the sixth, but Monday, of course, uh, is the fifth, which is Labor Day. So we're not going to be so we have to record you guys a day ahead. Um, of the broadcast and a day ahead of the publication onto YouTube, just so we can get the transcripts and the captions and do all those other things that have to be done behind the scenes. Um, so uh, and and but we wanted to turn it around really fast because sports is uh, has a way of changing really quickly. Um, but one of the things we're we're looking forward to is producing the show, um, recording the show on a Monday because that's when all the especially during NFL season, that's when all the the weekend is mostly behind us, other than the Monday night game. And uh, so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Of course, it's September, which means uh, the NHL training camps are starting, which means uh, baseball is in the thick uh, of the the pennant races, and uh, NFL is on, CFL is in full gear. So it's a great time to be starting in um, in September. So um, you'll have you'll have no shortage of things to talk about on the and the pro sports level, and in the para sports, well, you've always got a lot of things to talk about. And then I love the way you guys balance. The two, it's always entertaining, and uh, so that's when we're starting.
0: Awesome. Um, This is sort of one of those times in the program, and we're going to keep Andy around because I'm going to ask him some mainstream sports questions because he's not completely off the hook. Um, But I do want to say that as producer of this program, it is my goal and our goal as a team to roll out the exact same quality the product that you get now you are going to still get a mix of para and pro sports Uh, I already have our first guest and I will tease our first guest and tell you that it will be Karen O'Neill who is the president of the uh, Canadian Paralympic Committee who's been a huge supporter of ours as a whole and so she'll be joining us on the program for the first episode and this is a, a, a big thing for us. You know, the Canadian Paralympic Committee has always, you know, lended us guests, their time, those things. So I couldn't think of a better guest to kick things off with. We will also be hearing from uh, Mark Aflalo. Now, some of you may hear that name from Double Tapped Canada. He will also be joining us as a uh, technical producer, if you will say, which means that we will be losing our very own Matt Agnew as he will be going on to bigger and I'm not going to say better things, but bigger things moving forward for him as well. So for us, that's bittersweet because Matt has been a big part of why we are where we are today. But I know that Mark is going to take the torch and uh, do wonderful things with that as well. And we're going to get him on in the next couple of weeks and, you know, give him the chance to kind of tell us what We can expect from an audio and visual uh, perspective of the program. So I, for one, am looking forward to doing this as well. And I myself am making a little bit of changes. I'm not going anywhere on this program. However, I will be joining the uh, morning program as their sports guy every day, Monday through Friday. So I and Dave will be chatting sports every day. So that's some of the big changes that are happening in my world and our world as a whole. So lots of good stuff going on. And if your, dad, that, is tired,
1: if your dad is tired of your face now, wait till you're on every day with Now with Dave Brown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now you guys
3: got to shave every week.
0: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Uh, how, do you, how do you know I don't, Clara? This is, this, this is...
1: <laughs> you, you, there's kn-
3: no hiding it now.
1: Yeah, she knows you, Brock. She knows you
0: too well. Catherine if you're listening that means that you got to be on top of these things Catherine is my attendant who is uh, very good to me And will be sure that I am shined up and ready to roll when we uh, roll this out So lots of good stuff coming up in our world And we're happy to be a part of AMI for what will be six years very very soon And it's hard to believe that that's what has been happening Now for the sports part of our discussion I would like to ask our guest, what do you believe, Andy, is going on with Hockey Canada? We've noticed that there are thousands and thousands of tickets missing for every game at the World Junior Hockey Championships, including the Canadian Games. Do you believe this is a product of summer, what's going on with Hockey Canada, or a combination of both, what say you?
1: Well, absolutely a combination of both you could not possibly have entered this tournament with worse publicity than hockey canada has had and um you know it combine that with of course the beautiful weather uh, edmonton is a wonderful city at this time of year it is fabulous i have spent a lot i spent th- three summers in alberta and uh, a significant amount of time in edmonton during the summer. Uh, I can't see why people would be dropping you know a 100 bucks to watch latvia and sweden face off in a preliminary round game i just can't i i just can't see that it's not the time uh and then you throw in all the negative uh, vibes from hockey canada and uh, it's just like guess it's the absolute worst possible scenario for those guys I, I feel really bad for the kids i really do i feel so bad for the kids that are playing and their parents and all this 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 moment that's supposed to be the, the highlight of their young lives and and so on and maybe you know there'll be there'll be some good news I think there'll be some good news on ice stories as uh, the tournament winds down. it always it always winds up well the World Juniors always wind up well like it's it's bulletproof when it comes to the on ice product but this uh, first week or so is just not yeah it's
0: <laughs> not not a good scene Claire what say you and then we'll go to Josh.
3: I mean, you hit it right on the head, uh, timing, uh, this tournament is usually done right in the middle of uh, winter when, uh, everyone's at home from the holidays and, and in the thick of things, uh, in the hockey season. And, uh, and like you said, hockey Canada does not have the, uh, the best stuff going on right now. And, uh, I mean, it is what it is. And, uh, I wasn't able to make this comment last week, but. Uh, hoping that moving forward that the current athletes and staff and, and everyone connected uh, in Hockey Canada now um, is learning through this process and, and finding ways to make sure that um, them personally and as an organization um, get better and uh, become safer and become uh, just better individuals, uh, especially off the ice. They, Hockey Canada has always been a winning and kind of gold standard uh, organization on the ice. Um, uh, We need to have that same standard off the ice as well.
2: From my perspective, I can certainly understand that the publicity has not helped this tournament one bit, neither has the time of year because, Even though I'm a diehard hockey fan, I haven't convinced myself that I want to sit and watch an entire hockey game when there's baseball and football and everything else going on. I do think that part of the ticket issue is the time of year. I also do think there is a segment of the population that may be withholding their hard earned dollar because of what is going on and what has been in the news But I do hope that there is still a contingent of fans out there that can look at the situation. And while they don't support what has gone on on the the Hockey Canada level, I do hope that they can still find it in them to support the team. Because I do think you can still enjoy a tournament, even if you don't necessarily support the organization that is essentially putting it on. We'll yeah, see what happens, and hopefully that, uh, hopefully that team gives people a lot to cheer about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that if you're going to watch this tournament, I mean, just take a look at, you know, Conor Bedard's first two games. It's just been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Mason McTavish had uh, four goals yesterday. I know, lesser opponent, I get it. Uh, but this team does have talent. But as all of you pointed out, I'm just not sure that the talent outweighs the weather and the background of what's going on with Hockey Canada. And I do believe that they are starting to make the change with replacing the chair with a female. I think that is a step in the right direction. The other problem uh, with this team that I can see is they're missing two guys by the name of Shane Wright and Owen Power. Owen Power is a defenseman, and Shane Wright is obviously a forward. And those two guys alone can make a big difference. Having said all that, I'm going to go around the table, starting with Claire, and then to Josh, and then to Andy. How do we ultimately think this team will do by the end of this 10-day period?
3: Uh, Like I said before, hockey Canada always has this kind of high standard going into any tournament, no matter the players that uh, we have uh, on the bench and on the ice. And I think that stays true for this tournament as well, is that we as a country and hockey Canada and, and in the sport uh, have an expectation for them to um, not only kind of come away with the tournament, but at least be in that uh, gold medal game. So I think, Obviously, the expectations are still there, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how they do.
2: I honestly don't know a lot about who is on the team, considering that it is the summertime, and as you said, we did lose Shane Wright and Owen Power. Having said that, I do believe that Canadian hockey is able to develop... A number of great athletes and I think sometimes when a Shane Wright or an Owen Power is on the team it may take away a spot from an equally talented player so I don't think the expectation is going to significantly change I expect them to be in the gold medal game do I expect them to win the gold medal yes but I would not be at all surprised if they came away with a silver to be honest.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it would be interesting if they won, what kind of a story it would become. In a way, these kids have been fighting this negative cloud too, right? They've had to answer a lot of questions, a lot of very adult questions in the past year or so. And um, so it would be... Kind of sweet if they did win, like just even just for themselves to say, well, not only did we win a, a, a tournament, but we also overcame uh, a pretty dark period in order to achieve, ac- accomplish that. And maybe maybe it's, it, it has a way of galvanizing the team. I don't know. Um, I Competitively, it's hard to analyze whether or not uh, Canada is uh, is is that much better than the uh, the typical competition that usually ends up being in the final um, every team has had some players that is not going to be represented because of the NHL and so on. I'm sorry, personally, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, to not see Uriah um playing for the Slovakian team. But uh, that's, a, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but anyway, I think, they st- I think they stand a chance, and I think the story might be interesting. I knew he'd get Canadians t- in there somewhere.
0: Uh-huh. Of, cu- of course, of course. That's... You know that's that's Andy. He's got to be the rival. You know he's got to be that guy. Um, I will say this: that when your toughest opponent in your pool is a team like Finland, um, the worst you're going to do in the round robin is is second place, which means that your quarterfinal is going to be on paper. And hockey is not played on paper, but on paper it's going to be a lesser of opponent for that quarterfinal. So. What I'm saying is, they should get to the semifinal, which means they should play for a medal. From the semifinal, beyond that, again, as all of you pointed out, it becomes a coin flip between uh, the the four major teams that we've talked about: U.S., Sweden, Russia, and uh, missing one at the oh, and Finland, of course. Um, But you know, you just never know. And I think it's going to be fascinating. The World Juniors is always a crapshoot, to be honest with you. You're talking about kids that are under the age of 20. You never know. It At times when I watched it in 2010, 2011, it was like a tire fire at times because it's like, whoa, how'd you make that turnover? And then we had to turn and remind ourselves, oh, yeah, all these kids are under 20 and they're going to make those mistakes. But that's what makes this tournament so much fun. And it's unfortunate that it had to be done in the summer. Because I think a lot of people are looking at this going, eh, the weather outside's too good. I'm, I'm not, you know, checking in for a Czechia Canada game. I'm just not. They're going to win, and it's that simple. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to get a medal, but it does remain to be seen what color it will be in the end. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and looking forward to moving forward with the organization.
1: I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your lovely faces every week. So uh, yes, uh, I th- I think uh, Claire and and uh, Josh. I think it's important that you uh, you guys look as good, as good as you did at at Brock's wedding. So that no no pressure, but you're good, You're oh, gonna have no,
2: to. No, none at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I only
2: wear ties at certain places,
1: Andy. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a pleasure. I really look forward to uh, the next incarnation uh, of the NutriZone.
0: As do we as well. There goes manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. And again, you can catch our premiere episode on YouTube on September the 13th, which is a Tuesday. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Serena Williams as she announced her retirement and what will her legacy be. We'll have that conversation to wrap up the show next here on The Neutral Zone. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone. I'm alongside Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. Let's dive right in to our final segment of the program. As we mentioned in our headlines, Serena Williams will be stepping away from the game following the U.S. Open tennis tournament in New York. Here are some of her stats that are notable. 73 singles titles. 23 Grand Slam singles titles, and the Grand Slams include US Open, Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the French Open. And then she also had 14 Grand Slam doubles titles, most of those with her uh, sister Venus as well. And then, oh yeah, to top it all off, four gold medals at the Olympic Games. That is the uh, synopsis of uh, Serena's career. What say you guys about how she will be remembered? What comes to mind when you think of her? Claire, start with you and then go to Josh.
3: I mean, I think it's really hard to say and talk about Serena without mentioning the phrase goat, uh, on and off the court. She's changed the game of tennis and the way that we view, uh, female athletes, uh, she continuously not only gets compared to uh, the top athletes in the world, but um, outside of her sport, she's also in the, in the discussion of, is she one of the greatest athletes of all time, just in general, um, just from what she's been able to do uh, within her sport as well. So I am extremely excited to see uh, what she ventures into. Cause like she said, she's uh, stepping away from the sport. she might not be playing it right now, but uh, I can only imagine what she's gonna do kind of uh, behind the scenes for the sport specifically and and for female sports uh, around the world.
2: I think her s- stats basically speak for themselves. I mean 73 singles titles that's that's uh, incredible. Like what more can you really say? And she's done it across different surfaces as well. You've got clay, you've got grass courts, and you've got hard courts. Those are all three very difficult disciplines. And there are some tennis players that only play certain surfaces because of the technical aspects of the game. For her to do this across all three is incredible. It's going to be really fascinating. To see what she does choose to do business wise and and outside of the tennis world, when she does decide that she's going to uh, to to end the career officially, uh, and just look even at what she's been able to to do as a person of color and as
0: a mom, like it's
2: it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish
0: you know the fascinating thing that came out was that you know she wants to have another child and it's like at the age of 41 you think you're gonna like just just to think about having a child that you know 10 years from now as i'm 31 it's like wow <laughs> 41 and she still thinks she can do this i mean all the power to you and you, you deserve all the credit. Um, you know, she did have um, some struggles at, at U.S. Open with chair umpires and Indian Wells. She, she boycotted for like uh, over, over a decade and a half. It was a long time because of uh, racist remarks. But she really did do groundbreaking things. Very quickly, are you both surprised that she's retiring and when it is, Josh and then Claire?
2: no not really at 41 you are unfortunately old as an athlete so I can certainly understand wanting to focus on something else
3: yeah I agreed I mean when I think uh eight years from now trying to be in the Paralympics I will be 42 so uh, all the power to her for uh doing everything she's done and I again can't wait to see what she's up to next
0: Congratulations to Serena for a great career. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Janine, And our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe and be well.